Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Sound Stories, an inspirational podcast for creative professionals and storytellers who want to improve their lives at home and at work. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli, your host and co-founder of Voices.com. For modern-day creatives, the value of the arts can feel so naturally obvious that it can be hard to imagine having to fight for its place at the table. But it's worthwhile to remember that artists haven't always had the support and opportunities that they have today. And even now, it still takes passionate people to continuously demonstrate how creative disciplines can raise the bar for all of us. Tom Lee is one of those strong supporters. Since 1994, Tom held the position of Director of the Office for the Arts Learning from Performers program at Harvard. There he spent his career helping to facilitate connections between established and often influential artists, like Yo-Yo Ma, to students engaged in diverse areas of study. Now recently retired, but still a full-time advocate for the arts, he joins us to discuss the life-changing power of artistic study, including the irreplaceable influence of that special relationship between mentor and student. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you so much for inviting me. Very much looking forward to it. It's a great pleasure to have you on. So I was just wondering, Tom, now, um, can you tell us a story of how the Office for the Arts at Harvard came to be? Uh, Maybe paint a picture of what the art scene was like before it existed. The Office for the Arts was established at Harvard in the mid-1970s. At that time, uh, there was a lot of art making going on uh, on campus, but it was all extracurricular or mostly extracurricular. Uh, There was a program in studio arts, but there was no major in theater, in music. You could major in theory and composition and musicology, but not in performance. Uh, It was definitely not what you would call a conservatory environment. But there was a lot of art going on, uh, most of it, if not all of it, driven by students. And um, the office was established to help um, support that that art making by... um, Uh, offering students grants to support projects that they might be working on. Uh, The office established a big arts festival that happens every year. And uh, another program called Learning from Performers, as you mentioned, which uh, brings uh, artists to Harvard to connect with students, to interact with them in workshops and master classes, seminars, sometimes just informal conversations, uh, sometimes uh, resulting in a project like a performance or an exhibition. Uh, the idea is very simple, uh, just to, um, to try to infuse the student's educational experience with the experience of creativity. And uh, since that time, um, hundreds and hundreds of artists uh, from all disciplines have participated in that program. And um, it's, uh, it's really been, a, I think, a life changer for a lot of Harvard students. This whole program is just like, it must be a gift to those students. I can only imagine what it would be like to have someone like Yo-Yo Ma, as we mentioned. And I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of other wonderful people who you could um, tell us about, too, who have been there. Um, but in, you know, the course of the, the time the program has been available, uh, you know, we're seeing and you experienced firsthand just how very effective it was. So what makes a program that connects budding artists to mentors so powerful? Well, I think um, it's powerful for a number of reasons, Um, and I guess I'll start with Harvard and the typical Harvard student. 
I think, you know, uh, these are young people who uh, are going to be making major contributions uh, when they leave the university. Uh, these are the young people who are going to be running corporations, running for office. Uh, you, you never quite know uh, in the freshman class who might even be the next president of the United States. And that's not to say that we're trying to turn uh, students who might want to be doctors or, or uh, lawyers or whatever into artists, but to give them a sense of the creative process, to learn from um, all aspects of, of being an artist that they can then apply to their other studies and to their uh, career paths, I think is, uh, is very important. Uh, and I think these are also going to be the cultural stewards of tomorrow. These are the students who will be supporting the arts um, with um, so little funding for uh, the arts from the government in the United States now. I think it's going to be very important for us to be um, giving these students uh, uh, experiences in the arts that will make them contributors, whether they're contributing directly as an artist or just as an arts advocate or an arts supporter. No, absolutely. Like I come from the arts myself and my background is music. So I, I relate to everything you're saying, because if we didn't have people who knew how to tell stories or understood the cultural landscape in which they are living and can help to clarify it through their art, then, uh, you know, we, we'd have a very boring society and place to live in that wouldn't be rich with beauty as it is. Uh, so um, since this program has been around for decades, as you said, in the 70s. Uh, tell me about some of the collaborative moments that you were part of over that time. Well, so many. Um, uh, I One of the great things about the program is that it brings so many different kinds of artists in, in all different disciplines. Um, uh, and I think in particular, the master classes are the uh, the most wonderful opportunities for students to engage with these artists and learn from these artists. I'm thinking in particular of the opera singer Renee Fleming. She um, has uh, she did three master classes for us, um, and each of them was really an extraordinary experience for the students who participated. Um, she is so generous with her talent, with her expertise, with her experience, and. Um, the way she worked with the students was really quite uh, quite remarkable. I, I think as much for um, for them as it was for her. Um, I think that um, she just has a real knack for teaching, and um, uh, uh, the way she sort of passed it on, if you will, to these students was was really really gratifying. And um, you know, several of these students, I think, you know, might be pursuing um, uh, careers as singers, but not all of them. And again, I think that the skills that they learned in this class, in terms of presentation, interpretation, projecting, and all of that, is um, are key lessons that can be applied to just about any any experience in uh, life. I also had the pleasure of working with uh, Placido Domingo. Uh, he was also extremely generous, and um, the students just uh, were thrilled by him. And uh, the other aspect of it is that we invite the public to come in and observe the classes. And I think always uh, that's as much of a learning experience as it is for the students who um, are actually participating. Um, so... Uh, those are just two examples. Wow. And the very impressive examples to boot. Like I, I remember listening to Renee Fleming as a, a student 
of song and voice and performance and and just uh, her artistry you know unparalleled and Placido Domingo um, I actually saw him at the Met in the performance of Hernani um, a handful of years ago which was brilliant and in his ability to just captivate was like beyond um, you know anything that you can can really uh, compare it to mm. so to think that the students and also the public as you've just pointed out have access to watching these masters at work um, it's just like where else could you get that like that's that's fantastic have you had anyone from the acting sphere maybe like a, a film actor or or a, a high profile musician um, that perhaps isn't in the opera circle sure uh, one musician composer I really enjoyed working with is uh, Laurie Anderson. Uh, you probably know that Laurie's work is rather cutting edge, uh, I guess, uh, avant-garde. Uh, and uh, her mind, well, I, I just, um, <laughs> I couldn't even begin to tell you, but uh, it, it was really a very extraordinary conversation that she had with, with students, very informal, but her uh her the way her mind worked her uh creative process i think really came to the fore in that conversation talking about all of the different influences on her work all of the different media that she has used in her work um um the um i think the, the surprise success of some of her work i don't think she was expecting that and then um the uh, students also uh, had a chance to see her perform because after this conversation that she did with students, she actually did a performance that we produced in a theater at Harvard. And uh, that was also a wonderful experience. And some of the students actually were able to help her prepare for that, uh, setting up equipment and, um, and all of that. And um, I think that too was a real learning experience. My goodness, so many fantastic artists. Can you give us maybe some, some highlights of people that you've worked with in this capacity that we haven't mentioned yet? Sure, sure. Well, my goodness, again, so many. Um, I was very impressed with Lynn manuel Miranda, uh, who I'm sure you know is the creator of the Smash Broadway musical Hamilton. He was just a, a real life force and a genuinely nice guy. I mean, somebody that whose success I think it deserved uh, tenfold. Um, Stephen Sondheim, uh, one of our uh, elder artists, also a musical theater composer like Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, just a, an amazing person. And uh, again, so giving, so smart, a little intimidating, but uh, he was just a gem. Um, the author, Margaret Atwood, uh, we don't do a lot of li uh, literary artists. Um, that's more the domain of the English department at Harvard. Uh, she was the recipient of um, an award called the Harvard Arts Medal that's administered by the Office for the Arts. It's given to a graduate of um, Harvard or Radcliffe. Um, and uh, Margaret went to Radcliffe College, which was then the women's college affiliated with Harvard. It no longer is. But uh, she came and got this award, and she did a wonderful talk with students, and they performed one of her uh, short stories. They read it out loud for her. That, that was a terrific experience, and um, she's a great person. Wonderful jazz singer named Cassandra Wilson. Uh, I love working with jazz artists, their sense of improvisation. Um, is is so important um, for so many students to learn, especially students who are doing music that's more kind of proscri proscribed or sort of classical music. Um, Tony Kushner, uh, the playwright of Angels in America, 
um, wonderful, uh, wonderful person, wonderful spirit, um, very open to uh, conversation with students, um, really terrific. Uh, Herbie Hancock, he was another jazz artist who uh, was kind of unforgettable. Um, I'm a big jazz fan, so I, I really, really love the uh, jazz artists. And um, there was there was a comp um, excuse me a conductor uh, who you may know, um, Marin Alsop. She um, is uh, the conductor of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, and it was really interesting hearing her story about being a woman in that field. Unfortunately, there are not enough women who are conducting symphony orchestras, and she uh, she was really terrific talking about uh, that aspect of her career and how she dealt with, um, frankly, sexism in that field. And um, I think um, students, a lot of the students could I identify with that. Well, Tom, like that is a really impressive list and, and certainly uh, very familiar with Hamilton and, and how popular that show is. Um, now, of all these astonishing artists that you've mentioned, are there any common traits that they share that have brought them success? Well, certainly talent. There's no denying that. Uh, I think their sense of empathy, uh, their, their sense of um, their place in the world and their wanting to share, to pass on uh, what they have experienced, what they have learned, uh, I think it really speaks of, of that, of a real sense of generosity. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's something that they've all pretty much shared really to a person. I mean, I've never had anybody uh, who came in and, and seemed sort of disdainful of, you know, the students and their work or whatever. I mean, obviously they're going to be on their best behavior, but still, I think that, uh, you know, um, really uh, you, you, you understand how they have become successful because they are so, in some cases, so nice, so willing to give, so willing to share. Um, so I think that's something that uh, is common among them. And um I, I, you know, I, I've never gotten any kind of sense of entitlement from any of them. I mean, they, they all, in, in their own way, have been sort of very down to earth. And, um, and I think sometimes maybe even a little surprised at their, their success. But, um, but there, there they are. And, um, and again, they're so willing to, um, to speak to it and to, and to share it. It sounds like humility plays a great role in, in all of these artists' lives. And that's something that, you know, doesn't come naturally to everyone. You have to cultivate humility to a degree. But uh, I, I really appreciate that because just being a person in business or an artist who collaborates with others, like, you know, you, you've got to leave the ego at the door. And um, it really does sound like that's the, uh, the mentality that these masters are bringing into the masterclass. Definitely. Well put. Wow. So for the listeners who may not have access to megastars in their own disciplines, you know, can you share a few of the key lessons that you've seen come out over and over again that are consistent from all of these greats that, that we can go back and, and teach to others in, in the academic setting? Well, I think... In terms of the artists who engage in um, what I, for lack of a better term, would call the more sort of formal kinds of um, performance, musical performance especially, and I'm talking about classical pianists or singers like Domingo and Renee Fleming, uh, I think that when the students go into a, a situation like that, doing a workshop or a masterclass with an artist like that, they already have the technique down. 
And um, we uh, obviously are very careful to choose the best students, the most talented students to perform for artists like a Fleming or a Domingo. In the case of piano, Long Long was one who also did a master class. And what's important at that point, if they've really got the technique down, is what does this performance, what does this choice of repertoire, the, how they perform it, what does it say about the student performer? What does it say about their emotional state? What does it say about the way they think about the world, about the way that they think about themselves? So it's not just getting the scales right. It's not just perfecting that bowing technique or whatever. It's really more a statement about who they are. And this, this definitely comes across um, very much in some of the master classes and some of the acting workshops that I've done where the artist will just really, really, um, you know, force the student to really think more about what it's about. Um, there was a wonderful singer who passed away this past year named Barbara Cook, who was a real legend on Broadway when she was younger. And she ended her career as a cabaret singer. And I just remember her uh, mantra, you know, why did you pick the song? What does this song say to you? You know, what, what are the meaning of the words? And, and how do you best put that across? So I think that's a very important lesson. And then I think also, um, in, in terms of many art forms, especially theater, I think a, a sense of uh, being a collaborator, working collaborati uh, collaboratively, whether it's with a teacher or with um, fellow uh, actors or singers, um, I think that that's really very key. You know, you're, you're not in this alone necessarily. Now, obviously, if you're a writer or a painter, you know, uh, you, you are pretty much working on, on your own. But... Um, but I think in, in most art forms, especially in the performing arts, it's important to have that feedback and to feed off of each other. I know that some advice that's given to students entering into um, an academic setting to study the arts is, you know, or acting in particular is, if you can do anything other than acting, then go do it, because this is so challenging. You know, you're going to come up against all kinds of people who, uh, you know, if, if they don't like how you're acting, then they don't like you. Um, and that can be really hurtful, right, for, for people who are in the performing arts. And um, I'm just wondering, has, has anybody who's come to speak to your students, have they addressed this topic and, and how, uh, you know, through just maturing as an artist and being able to see things uh, objectively, that they can distance themselves from that or, or that they can learn how to take feedback and uh, course corrections in a way that doesn't damage their spirit. Yes, yes, definitely. In fact, my first year at this job, I had the extreme pleasure of hosting an actor who I greatly admired. He's uh, passed away now, uh, Jack Lemon. Mr. Lemon uh, was really adamant about getting across to the students if there's anything, anything else that you can do. And he said, and I know that there are some very smart young people in this audience. Um, this was not a masterclass or a workshop. He just did an informal talk with students. He said, please go into that field because you will find that uh, rejection is practically a staple you know, in, in terms of this business. He said, I was pounding the pavement for years. I just thought at certain points, I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. Uh, my parents never sent me to Harvard to, to go into acting, and they knew full well the, um, 
the rigors, the pitfalls of the profession. Um, so I would say if there's anything else that you can do, do it. But if you've got that fire in the belly, if you really, really think that this is the only thing that you can do, then you just pursue it uh, as much as you can. And um, he said, it's a lot of luck. It's also, of course, a lot of talent. Um, sometimes it's who you know. Uh, it's um, who to avoid and who not to avoid, et cetera. But, um, but he said it, uh, it will reward you many fold if, if, you, if you do get a foothold into the, into the business. The other uh, actors who have talked about this a lot um, are uh, Laura Linney. Uh, she, uh, she also, uh, I remember, um, talked quite a bit about some of the rejection that she faced in the business. And then a Harvard graduate, uh, John Lithgow, uh, he was class of 67. Uh, John has um, been very supportive of the Learning from Performance Program and of the Office for the Arts over the years. He comes back every year and talks to students who are interested in acting. And, uh, and that's always a big part of the conversation, the challenges of the of the uh, business. And one thing that John will remind them of, he'll say, you know, most casting agents, directors, et cetera, they don't really care that you went to Harvard. You know, it's, that's, that's not going to be your ticket. Your ticket is going to be your talent, your energy, and your drive. All right. So just going back to the whole idea of the masterclass, and, and as you had said earlier, and I know we've pointed this out, um, that not only are these masterclasses attended by the students, but there are also people who come from outside, so the general public. Uh, you know, like that's like in front of a lot of people and potentially people they have no context for. And like, why are you here? And you're seeing me in my most vulnerable state being instructed by some of the, the greatest minds and performers in the world. Um, how do you then create a safe place for that collaboration to happen? Great question. Well, uh, I think that uh, some of the best masterclass teachers, um, certainly most of the artists that, that I have brought in, uh, you know, they pretty much at the outset uh, set what might be called ground rules. You know, they, they ask the audience to be good listeners. They uh, tell the audience, now this is not a performance, this is not a recital. This is not a concert. This is a learning experience. And we have invited you to come in to participate as observers. And uh, we also, uh, in most cases, at the end of a masterclass, we will have a question and answer period of 20 minutes or a half an hour or so, so that the audience can ask questions about what they've seen, what they've observed. So I think in that way, they do um, set up a, a safe space for the artist, uh, for the uh, students, the participating students. And then I think, I think that, you know, the students do appreciate the feedback that they get from the audience. Um, I've been to some masterclasses where the artist will uh, turn to the audience and say, what did you think of this way that he or she did it? Do you think it would be better if she did it this way or that way? You know, what do you think? So, you know, it really depends on the style of the, um, of the master, if you will, in that kind of a setting. But, uh, but I think that, you know, in general, they're not there to put the students on the spot. They're not there to embarrass them or make them feel, you know, nervous or whatever. Um, because, you know, we, because of those ground rules that they set up. No, that's brilliant. Having the ground rules is important because you are entering a world, you know, of vulnerability, of uh, learning, but also of appreciation. So I, I can only imagine there are some very 
um, interested and intrigued people sitting there. And, and likely if you were to sell season's tickets holdings, <laughs> you'd probably get a lot of repeat um, visitors coming in and watching all of these wonderful things. Uh, that Which leads me to a question, Tom. Are there any video recordings that our listeners can watch on YouTube of these masterclasses? Well, you know, uh, this is one aspect of the program that uh, I, I have always felt is perhaps somewhat lacking. We do routinely record them uh, with the permission of the visiting artist, and 99% of the time the artist is perfectly okay with it. Uh, we have a really terrific archive of years and years of these recordings. They currently are not available online. Uh, they are available um, in, a, uh, in an archive at Harvard which uh, really can only be accessed at, in person at this time. However, uh, I have been in talks uh, over the years with um, many people at Harvard who are interested in um, making these uh, recordings available more broadly. And, and I am hoping, I, I really am hoping that my successor uh, will take up this challenge. It's a huge job, and um, those recordings are something that uh, – you know, I, I do hope will be made more uh, more available. We talked a little bit earlier about technical mastery and how when um, students are, are set before these great artists, that they've, they've got that down. They know about their technique, and it's more about exploring themselves as individuals and artists. So, you know, uh, we've had a, another guest on the show, Professor Jonathan D'Souza, being who I'm thinking of right now, and, and he did speak to the technical mastery um, as being a, a kind of achievement that artists strive for. But, you know, even though you're skilled, and maybe you're so skilled that you think you're flawless, well, not that any of us are, of course, right? Um, it doesn't guarantee that someone will have a satisfying and creative career, you know, just because they can do something very, very well. Now, I... I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on that? And what are the extra things that an artist needs in their life? Hmm. Very good question. Uh, well, you know, I always think that um, a certain sense of empathy really needs to be uh, part of your personality. I think this very much um, applies to acting in particular. I think any good actor who is going to uh, face the challenge of putting their, themselves into someone else's shoes, almost literally, really does have to have a sense of, of empathy. Um, I, think, I think just a kind of a broad knowledge of the world itself and of subjects outside of the arts, um, and that's why I ultimately think that a liberal arts education as opposed to a conservatory education can sometimes be more beneficial. I mean, when you've gotten yourself admitted to a conservatory, again, you know you've got the goods, you've got the talent, you've got the technique. Um, but I think a liberal arts education really does expose you to a lot more than just, you know, knowing a Shakespeare sonnet or, you know, knowing how to sing an art song or whatever. It just gives you a broader picture of the world and, and I think can inform your work a lot better. And then I, I think also uh, that something I mentioned already, I mean, just wanting, having a collaborative spirit, I think is a sense of generosity about that, I think is, is very, very key. Um, so I, I would definitely put that there uh, as a, uh, as something to think about other than just, you know, knowing the notes. You know, there's one thing to be technically perfect in that sense, but but if you have no heart, 
behind what you're doing or you, there's no kind of deeper reason for, for why you're doing it. Like, I just love what you had said about how, you know, why, why did you pick this song? You know, how does this represent you? Where, where does this fit within your own image and identity as an artist? Like these are all questions that we need to ask ourselves. Where do you think our personal narrative about our own value and abilities, like how can our own view of ourselves help or hinder us as artists? Well, I think that, you know, uh, those of us who are really trying to figure ourselves out and figure out our place in the world and, um, and our relationships with other people um, are just constantly asking questions. And I think that's really the, the real launching point for, um, for having an artistic career. Um, you know, if you think you've got all the answers, I don't think you're going to get very far as, as an artist. Um, and, uh, and I think it's that constant questioning, that, con that constant not really knowing or, or explaining everything, um, but, but somehow, um, you know, relating to some of those big questions through whatever artistic endeavor you do is just so important and so key to the creative process. Curiosity is important, and we need to constantly be discovering new things about our art, our craft, about ourselves, and, and being open to possibilities. So I, I just wonder, Tom, like, what would our lives be like if there were no arts? Oh, my. Like a desert, I think, you know, really empty. Um, I, I just, again, can't emphasize enough how important this is for so many of us. Um, I, uh, I don't want to get political, um, but there are certain forces in Washington now that believe we should be shutting down the National Endowment for the Arts altogether. Uh, I think that's a terrible idea. Um, I worked at a, an organization called the New England Foundation for the Arts prior to Harvard, one of the six so-called regional arts organizations uh, based in the United States. And uh, really, really, that's where I sort of my interest in, in the arts as uh, community um, building and um, bringing the community together, connecting artists with audiences, um, just was so, so important. And it was just, a, it was a constant struggle to, um, to, to get the support that we needed to convince uh, politicians, legislators, people running corporations and whatnot, that it was important to, con to contribute to the arts um, and, and to also answer some of the naysayers who thought it was a waste of money. I, I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really been, uh, it, it has been kind of a constant battle, I think, in that regard. And um, I, uh, I, it's so important. It's, it's about our heritage. It's about our national identity. It's about who we are as um, whether we're black, we're white, we're Native American, uh, Asian, whatever. It's, it speaks to our cultures. It speaks to a way to share our culture and cultures with each other. Um, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I just can't imagine life without it. To me, it's as important as having food on the table. You couldn't have said it any better, Tom. And I know you've recently retired. My hat's off to you. You know, uh, congratulations on all your success and helping to shape these young minds and, and performers as they go out into the world. But I, I think equally, um, the artists that you've engaged and brought into, you know, that, that sphere of uh, student learning, um, you know, second to none. That's amazing. And I, I'm just really excited to be speaking with you about it. And uh, long may it continue at Harvard. 
Well, thank you. Uh, it's been an extraordinary gig. I've gotten such wonderful support over the years from the university, uh, from the artists who come in, and from the students. And I have to say, you know, quite honestly, I think it's the students who have impressed me the most. They're passion, their drive, their energy, their willingness to put themselves on the line, their creativity, especially when they're not majoring in, in art making, most of them. Uh, it, it has just been extraordinary and just a real, um, a real, a really wonderful experience for me. Really wonderful. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sound Stories. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We hope to have you back for our next episode of Sound Stories.